Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. In our Advent Sermon Series, The Language of Christmas, we are unpacking five ways to show love to one another. Physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and giving of gifts. Jesus lived a life of perfect love for God's people. The greatest responsibility and opportunity for a Christ follower is to practice loving God and neighbor like He loved us first. It's our prayer that the love of Christ will be the greatest gift in your home this Christmas. Now, tune in as we study what love is and how to show it. Franklin campus. And for those of you who are joining online, I'm so thankful to be with you as well. And I hope that you feel absolutely a part of everything that we are doing here this morning. So um, welcome. You all know that we are well into the Christmas season. Um, If you don't feel stressed, you should totally feel stressed at this point. And we've been in the the love languages, the five love languages, uh, since the language of Christmas is love. And so Pastor Jeff, a couple weeks ago, he talked about the love language of physical touch, and then he talked about words of affirmation. Over the next couple weeks, we'll look at acts of service and also gift giving. But today, I was so excited that I got to be able to teach on my very favorite of all the love languages, which is quality time. So when Jeff asked me, I was like, yes, that's my favorite. I love quality time. And Then I did a little Google research and I found out that 44% of everybody surveyed actually chose quality time. And then I felt a whole lot less special. But at any rate, and but then you have to wonder about those surveys too, because have you ever been surveyed on what love language you are? You know, who really knows? But I do love quality time. And I was reminded of our need for that. Uh, Just yesterday, I've got a little neighbor. Her name is Anna and she's eight years old and she's fantastic. I love this kid, and she doesn't know it, but 100% her love language is quality time. Um, How do I know this? Because yesterday in the driving rain, she comes darting across my yard with her umbrella just to come hang out. And I love that about kids. You know, kids don't text you. They They don't call to see if it's a good time. They just come They knock on the door, and Anna has been doing this uh, kind of, you know, a lot recently. And and a couple days ago, I was sitting by my Christmas tree. I was catching up on some schoolwork, and I'm I'm reading deep into my book uh, about the problem of evil. And it was a really very heartwarming Christmas moment for me. And I'm sitting across from my door, and my my front door is a solid door, but at the very top there are some window panes, and over those window panes there's a wreath. And all of a sudden I hear this pounding on my door. That's the other thing about kids. It's not like a subtle knock. It's like a 
slam, like a banging, like we want you to know we are here outside your door. And in case I wanted to pretend like I wasn't there, which I wouldn't have done, she starts, all of a sudden I see her face in between the wreath, like in the circle. She's, she's jumping up to see if I'm, if I'm there. And so I go to the door and like, hey, Anna. She's like, hey, what's going on? Well, reading about the problem of evil. Uh, no, I didn't say that. Uh, but I was just, I'm, I'm working on school, and she goes, well, can I come in? Absolutely. Do you, want a hot, do you want some hot chocolate? Do you want some marshmallow? No. No. Just wanted to catch up, see what's going on. So, so, so Anna's love language 100% is quality time, and so we get that opportunity in that moment where I get to make that decision of, you know what? What I'm doing right now is not that important. It's not as important as Anna being here and wanting to hang out. And then, and then when she left yesterday, I, she said this verbatim. She said, okay, well, good to see you, Kelly. Next time, none of my friends can play. I'm just going to come here. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, no, I love it. And I love that she wants to come over. And I love that she wants to just be. So today, though, we're going to talk about quality time, and we're not going to necessarily talk about it as it relates to quality time with people. We're going to talk about quality time with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and partly the reason I want to go that direction is they're really two different messages, but I will say this, that if we get our quality time with Jesus right, if we get that time, then we will naturally want to pause and spend quality time with others. Because Jesus puts a very high premium on people. And so if we get our time with him, we will get our time right with others. And so I want to start in a passage. It's Luke chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 38 through 42. And it is the story of Mary and Martha and Jesus coming to their home. And it is a wonderful picture of quality time. I absolutely love this setting because it is so incredibly relatable, especially at this time of year where we can be so busied and so harried and so frenzied during this Christmas season. So here is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. While they were traveling, this is Jesus and his disciples, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken from her. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to open your word. Most importantly, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to enjoy your presence today. Lord, we need you. We long for you to bring peace and joy and hope and consolation, Lord, to our lives. Most importantly, Lord, we long for you to bring yourself. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I love this scene because I can relate to this scene, and I'm sure that you can relate to this scene. 
whether you are a host who loves to put on parties or you have a busy job or you have a busy home life with lots of kids or whatever it might be, we all understand busyness and we all understand trying to pull something off. Now, Martha, in my mind, gets a lot of points because at the very top of this text, it says that when Jesus came to her house, she opened up the door and she welcomed him in. So we see that Martha, right off the bat, has a heart of hospitality. She is ready for the unexpected, and whether this was expected or not, she is ready to have people in her home. Also note that she lives with her sister Mary. She lives with her brother Lazarus. So there were probably other people at this gathering, and she wants this to be the best for Jesus. She wants to pull off what she can for him, and she has a very distinct, I'm sure, vision of how she wants this to go. So she's in the kitchen, and pots and pans are clanging around, and she's trying to get, you know, this, whatever coming out of the oven that's going to be hot while this is ready to go as well, and she wants to make sure that everyone has their drinks, and she comes running around the corner, and there is her sister Mary doing that thing that drives us type A people crazy, which is apparently what it appears to be nothing. And, 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 and so it's like, are you kidding? I mean, this is like the most important day. This is the most important day of our lives. This is so important. I, I just, um, you know, I, I just need, I need some help. And, and so right away, the author tells us, Luke tells us that, that Martha's distracted She's distracted by the many tasks. Yes, ultimately it's for the people who are in the room, but she's distracted by the many tasks, which is how this season, maybe more so than any season of the year goes, where there are so many tasks to be done and we are distracted by them that we miss what's right in front of us. But not only is she distracted, but she's frustrated that the person closest to her is not doing what she wants that person to do. Um, she, she is now frustrated at Mary that Mary is not helping execute her vision, right? And I, I had the privilege, and it really was a privilege, of hosting 31 people at my house for Thanksgiving. It was so fun. I, I learned two things after that event. I learned that I love hosting people at my house. I also found out that I love showing up at other people's houses and doing absolutely nothing. I, I, I equally have an affinity for both of those. But in the days leading up to that Thanksgiving, I was looking to those closest to me to help execute the vision, right? It was not acceptable to be running around and see somebody watching a football game. Or doing something else. It's like, you, we, I needed all the help that I could get. And I, I love it. My cousin is here today, and she did this gorgeous charcuterie board. She's executing the vision. I love it. My aunt Carol, she did the mashed potatoes. My mom brings the sides, and everybody's executing the vision, and I love it. But you know what happens in our lives when the people closest to us don't execute our vision? And we get really frustrated. And... This message, I just want you to know, is not just a message today that I'm simply sort of just passing on to you. 
this is a message that the Lord has been working out in my life, I would like to say for a few weeks or a few months, but actually a few years. Where in my mind, I don't have what I think I need to execute the vision. And the only thing that I, the only conclusion that I can come to is maybe I have the wrong vision. Maybe the Lord wants me to set down some pots and some pans and to come and to receive from him. And so this is a very personal message for me today. This is something that, is, that the Lord is pushing through me as, as, I, as I teach this morning because the Lord is convicting me. And I, I, I will say that it is hard not to look to the closest people around and not get frustrated that that person's not doing what they should be doing or what you want them to do or they didn't quite do it enough. We do this with our roommates and our friends and our spouses and our kids. So not only is Martha, you know, distracted by the tasks and frustrated that Mary is not helping, but then did you catch it? She said, Lord, she has left me to serve alone. And I got that word alone. I've got that marked in my Bible, at least in my head. That one really popped up. Because right now where the Lord has me in, in work, it's a little lonely. And then in friendship, one of my closest friends is going through a really, really hard family situation. And my other closest friend is incredibly busy with work. And over the last just several weeks, I just found myself thinking, I'm alone. I'm alone. And this is not a pity party. I'm not saying, I just want you to know that as I'm going through this text, I'm resonating with Martha. Oh, I'm left to serve alone. And the people around me aren't doing what I want them to do. And I have so many tasks and I'm so distracted by them. And then, this is just awesome because this is just so how it goes. But then when we're frustrated, we get frustrated with the people around us that aren't doing what we, we want them to. And then finally, when we get off them for a second, then we go to the Lord. And then we get mad at him. And Martha goes, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? I mean, I'm busting it. Mary's just sitting there. Don't you care? And maybe that's even how some of you walked in this morning just wondering, Lord, do you care? But what's so interesting here is that Martha has it all backwards. See, Martha thinks that she needs to do something for the Lord. Really, the Lord knows that she needs something from him. And so this is just the first thought I want us to think about today is Jesus wasn't concerned about what Martha could do for him. He wanted Martha to know what he had come to do for her. And this is pivotal. See, we get so concerned about what we feel like we need to execute for the Lord, for others, and Jesus says, no, actually, I'm not really concerned about what you think you need to bring me. I want to give you what I have come to give you. And this is a turning point in the story because Jesus then responds to Martha after she's gone through her whole list, which I have done many, many times with the Lord over the last little while. I have gone round that list with him over and over and over and over. 
And Jesus turns and he says, Martha, Martha. And I always think it's concerning when Jesus has to say our names twice. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But Mary has chosen the good portion or what is necessary, and it will never be taken from her. Kenneth Bailey, who is a scholar in all things Middle Eastern culture, he believes that not only was Martha distracted by the many tasks that she had to do, but that she was also quite distracted by the fact that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet listening to what he had to say because that is the posture of a disciple. So for a rabbi to come into someone's home, a woman would not be the one to sit at his feet and listen. That would be the place in Jewish ancient culture for the man. Jesus had invited Mary, and I believe Martha also, to sit at his feet at his feet in a place of discipleship. Jesus is very clearly elevating women here, elevating their status here, not just in culture or society, that would be fine, but he is elevating it in his kingdom. He is showing that not just men, but women are also called to discipleship. Women are called to follow him. And that might have been off-putting for Martha because it was very countercultural and could have also been distracting. But he says, Martha, you're worried about many things, and I want to ask you today, what are you worried and upset about? What are the many things that you have come in worried and upset about? These are not trivial things. The things that you carry are not trivial. The things Martha was worried and upset about were not trivial things. She was not asking someone to join her on the couch to watch Hallmark Christmas movies. She had real things. We have real things that we are worried and upset about. And Jesus says, I understand that. You're worried and upset about many things, but he says there's just one thing. There's really just one necessary thing, and it's to know me. It's to be with me. It's to spend time in my presence. It's for me to tell you about myself because what is Jesus? He is the bread of life. His words are life to us. In other words, that, that word, that word, um, or the idea of the, she has chosen the one thing or the necessary thing or the good portion, um, that, that word can mean part of a meal. So in other words, Jesus is saying, Martha, while you are trying to bring me a meal, what I am asking is for you to come in and let me serve you a meal. Let me serve you. Let me nourish you. Let me feed you. Do you see that Mary has made a choice She's chosen that one thing. I, um, just yesterday, I was on my friend's Peloton because it's that time of year where if you want to eat everything in sight, you have to counteract that with the Peloton or something. And so I was on the Peloton, and 
One of my very favorite instructors. I love, love, love this instructor. She is so encouraging and she's upbeat and she's fantastic and she just kind of pushes me. And, and, and near the end of the workout, she said, now listen, you know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever. Just don't forget, don't forget what this season is about. And I was kind of excited to hear what she was going to say. I had a feeling it wasn't going to be Jesus, but I, I was just curious to know where she was headed. And she goes, this season is about you, yourself. She actually really did follow you with yourself. It was like she really wanted to drive that home. It's about you. It's about yourself. It's about your health. It's about feeling good. It's about those you love. And I got off the bike and I thought, if this season is about me and about what makes me feel good, I'm in trouble. Because that is so fleeting, it's so fickle, it's so temporary, it's so impossible. And I know with everything in my being that it is only Jesus Christ that can fill me it is actually in coming and, and saying it's not about me. It's not about my agenda. I want to sit and I want to listen to Jesus and I want him to give me life. And I want his life and his hope and his joy to flow through me. That is what it is about. And Jesus was saying that, listen, there's only one thing. There's just one thing that's needed. And Mary has chosen it. And it's to be with me. And so today, we can choose harried busyness for Jesus, or we can choose quality time with Jesus. We can choose harried busyness for him or quality time with him, and, and that's, we have a choice. How do you want to spend the next few weeks? How do you want to spend 2023? I don't want to spend, spend it harried and frenzied for. I want to spend it with Mary chooses the good thing, the good part, the better portion. And then he says, and I love this, he says, it will never be taken from her. It will never be taken from her. I don't know if you've thought about what gifts you gave or what gifts you got last year, but I have literally no idea. I cannot even begin to tell you what I unwrapped last year, what I gave last year. I don't know what it is, but we just move on. Um, time is, is fleeting. It's temporary. And I love here that Jesus says, listen, Martha, everything that you're doing right now, it's not that it's not important, but it's not lasting. But Jesus being in their presence, this was an opportunity for them to spend time with him that would last well into eternity. It would never be taken from her. I love that line. Because here's the thing for us. Our time is limited, but what we do with our time has eternal consequences. Our time is limited, but what we do with our time has eternal consequences. That's why... When, when Anna comes by, that's why if I can't, I want to stop. Because even though that time that I spend with her is limited, it's finite, the impact that we have on one another has the capacity and the potential 
to make eternal impact or to have eternal impact, how much more even our time with the Lord Jesus, whatever time you spend with him this season, whatever you hear from him, whatever communion you have with him, do you realize that though the time is finite and temporal, it will never be taken from you? And it will have eternal implications. So oftentimes we get to the end of this story and we think, okay, well, that's it, that's it, that's the end of the story. The, the moral of the story is just don't be too busy and spend time with Jesus, spend quality time with Jesus. And I don't really think there's a moral of the story here, but we kind of just end there. But here's the thing. Mary and Martha's relationship with Jesus does not end here. In fact, I want to turn over to John's gospel, and I want you to see, and I want us to see how this time spent made such a profound difference on their lives to come. See, we find out in John chapter 11 that their brother Lazarus dies. Now remember, Martha is single. Mary is single. They live with their brother Lazarus. This is very important because when Lazarus dies, it is not just that they have lost a loved one. They're not just grieving over this incredible relationship that they have, but we also see that in that particular culture, a woman, a single woman, did not have the capacity or the opportunity to provide for herself. That was the way the culture was. You got married and your husband took care of, took care of things and provided for the home. And so the fact that Mary and Martha lived with Lazarus meant that he was the one who was providing. He was the, um, the, the one who would, who would be able to uh, pay for the house and the home and the mortgage and put food on the table. And so now, not only had they lost their brother, but they had lost their way of life. They had lost their ability to provide for themselves. This was earth-shattering in every way. Well, when Jesus gets the news of Lazarus' death in John chapter 11, starting in verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Um, I love that John goes out of his way to say, I know this isn't going to make a lot of sense, but Jesus loved Martha. He loved Mary and he loved Lazarus. It doesn't make a lot of sense because when he hears that their brother has died, he stays put. Or when he hears that he's sick and he can go and he can heal, he stays put. He stays where he is. He doesn't go and do the thing that we all think that he is going to do or should do. But I also love that it says that he loves Martha, the one that he had to kind of call out that day for putting service to him over time with him. It's my understanding that in the original Greek language of this, it says that Jesus loved Mary, he loved Martha, he loved Lazarus, he stayed where he was. Meaning that in the English language, we feel this necessity to put a conjunction there. He loved them, but he stayed where he was. He loved them so he stayed where he was. He loved them and yet he stayed where he was. But it, my understanding is that there's no conjunction there. It's just he loved them, he stayed where he was. Because for Jesus, this was not incongruent. For us, 
it's really incongruent. And maybe even in this season, you, you know about the love of Christ. You believe in the love of Christ, but, but your situation feels very incongruent with that. Because there's pain and there's suffering, and it seems like if he was really in tune, if he really cared, he would do something. He would have been there earlier. He would have gotten there at the news. Jesus stays where he is. Then, beginning in verse 20, Jesus finally arrives, and it says, As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then I love the honesty. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you had come when we all thought you were going to come, he wouldn't have died. And I love this part, too, because it says, did you notice that as all the Jews are there in Martha and Mary's house and they are mourning with them, do you notice that when they hear that Jesus comes, it's not Mary who gets up and goes? interesting. It's Martha. I just have to believe, I just have to believe that when Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but I'm inviting you to do the thing that is most necessary, to come and to sit at my feet and listen. I have to believe that Martha took her seat with Mary and too became a disciple of Jesus I have, to, I have to believe that she was changed. And so when she hears that Jesus has come, even though she's upset and she's heartbroken, she goes to meet him. It says that Mary stayed where she was. I don't know why Mary stayed where she was. But if I had to guess, I would, I would say that Mary stayed where she was because she was hurt. It's just a guess. I believe that she was wounded by Jesus having not come when he knew he was sick, when he knew he could have come and put an end to it. I, I have a feeling that because of the intimacy she had with the Lord, she was wounded. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think sometimes when we get hurt by the Lord, the Lord has hurt my feelings in the last two months. He has hurt my feelings. But do you know what that means? That means that I'm close enough to him for him to hurt my feelings. Now, it doesn't mean he's done anything wrong. It's just from my human perspective, from our human perspectives. So if you came in hurt today, it's okay. It means you're close enough to him. I, I, Martha goes, Mary stays seated in the house, and then we see in verse 28 and 29 of this passage, it says um, Martha and Jesus have a conversation, and it says, having said this, Martha went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Because Martha went back to Mary and said, Mary, the teacher is here and is calling for you, that tells us that while Martha and Jesus were having a conversation, Jesus said to Martha, where's Mary? Martha, will you go back and will you tell Mary that I'm here and I'm asking for her? I want you to know today 
that the teacher, the Savior, is here and he is asking for you. I don't care if you came in as a believer, an unbeliever, happy, sad, broken, hurt, good, bad, full of regret, full of excitement. The teacher is here and he is asking for you. He is calling for you. He has come for you. The teacher is here and he is asking for you. And so Mary gets up and she goes. And then, verse 32, it says, As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Earlier, Mary had sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to what he had to say. Now she is falling at his feet in desperation. We see how important it was that she established that relationship with Jesus through that quality time to prepare her for what was coming, to prepare her for the loss of her brother, to prepare her for this tragic time. We don't know what is up ahead for us, but I want us to know today that the quality time we spend with Jesus today is consolation for tomorrow's trials. We don't know what we will face, but the quality time we spend with Jesus today will be consolation for tomorrow's trials. Mary and Martha, they were disillusioned. They didn't understand. They were upset, but do you know what? They were there. They still both ran to Jesus. Mary fell at Jesus' feet. They were still there. Jesus had not forsaken them, and they as new disciples had not forsaken going to him. Well, we know from Scripture that Jesus ends up raising Lazarus from the dead. They couldn't have imagined what Jesus was going to do. They couldn't have imagined it, and it was incredible. And the Jews around got to see this miraculous moment in Israel's history, testifying to Jesus as not just a rabbi, not just a teacher, but as the very Son of God. And, and, and the story doesn't end there. If you go to um, John chapter 12, and we'll begin to close here, but Jesus, it's just a few days before Passover. He is just days away from going to the cross. And he's back with Lazarus and Martha and Mary. I want to read what happens here. They're all together, and it says, Then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard. She anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Jesus answered, leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. We have to ask ourselves, why? 
Why did Mary keep this for the day of Jesus' burial? Well, I was reading the late, great Charles Haddon Spurgeon's perspective on this passage, teaching in, I think it was in 1915 when he talked about this, and here is what he said. I love this. He says, my own belief is that when Mary sat at Jesus' feet, she learned much more than any of the disciples had ever gathered from his public preaching. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying because Mary took the quality time to be with Jesus, he believes that Jesus told her, said, Mary, Martha, let me in, let me let you in on something. I have come to give my life for the world. I have come to take on the sin of the world. I am headed to the cross. I am not the kind of Messiah that everybody thought I was going to be. I'm far greater. I have not just come to be a political Messiah for the Jews. I have come to be the Savior of the world. And I'm going to die. And I'm going to die on a cross. And in three days, God the Father is going to resurrect me. I will be seated at the right hand of his throne forever. See, what everybody else had missed, what even Jesus' 12 disciples had, had heard and had taken in but just didn't quite grasp, Spurgeon believes that Mary got it. And on that day, she began to save her perfume, the anointment, the oil, See, many scholars believe that that alabaster jar full of that incredibly expensive perfume was her dowry. That in, in this act of breaking open this jar and anointing Jesus' body, that she was giving up her future as a wife. That she had depleted her resources for the Son of God. Anne Graham Lott says that when she broke open this alabaster jar, she was giving up her pride, her status, her place in society, her future. She was giving Jesus everything. Jesus said to the people around, don't scold her. Don't you see she has kept it for this day? I love the King James. She has kept it against that day. The quality time we invest with Jesus today is treasure stored for tomorrow. It's everlasting, cannot be taken from you. There's just no greater joy. There's no greater joy than I would have today for us to respond to the call of the teacher who is asking for us, who is saying, stop. Stop with all the stuff that you think is so important, that is so debilitating, that is so emptying, that is so frustrating, and come and receive. Receive me as Savior and as Lord. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, today that we can come to a place where we don't have to do anything today. 
Lord, in this season, yes, we will serve people. Yes, we will spend quality time with others. We will love them. We will give gifts. We will host. We will feast. And those are all wonderful, wonderful blessings. But Lord, more than anything, we don't want to do. We want to receive. We want to feast on the bread of life. Lord, we need you so desperately. We say yes to you. In Jesus' name. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. And lastly, from the church family to your family, Merry Christmas.